Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Gone Shooting Podcast. We are back again, it's been a minute. I am Ryan, along with Ty. Hello there. And officially, as the third host for this episode, Mr. Willie Campbell. How's everyone doing? So excited, Just decided really. to make you a part of the family, finally. So excited to be a part of the family. <laughs> yeah. So it's, damn, it feels good to be back. I know. It's been a minute. It's been <sighs> a way, hot way too long. I know. Just had to take a minute to regroup. Unfortunately, life and March Madness and springtime and wintertime again. And it, and then spring and winter. I mean, it's been <laughs> crazy. I mean, honestly, for me, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes keeping up with the material. And, I mean... Especially with today, as I struggled a little even with this one today, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, uh, just want to take a minute to, you know, thank everybody out there for the patience and, you know, waiting for us for, you know, get back on this thing. And got a new equipment set up, so hopefully we're sounding way sexier than we already were before. <laughs> and uh, so we're ready to do this one today. Uh, what we what we drinking on here? You got the Miller Lite. Willie's got the Stonies. The Stones. I got a little of the lemonade, lemonade shine that old dad hooked us up with. Shout out to dad. Yeah. Uh, shout out to dad. If Ironically, to not any of our fathers. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Louisville joke, Willie. We had from our little work field trip that we took a few weeks ago. We'll reminisce sometime on the air. Yeah. And speaking of Louisville, uh, kind of a nice little tie in there a little under a year from now the three of us along with the ween oh yeah mo be rocking out to some metallica <sighs> seriously cannot wait yeah it's gonna be awesome man, you're, man. you're in for a good one will oh, i know I'm, I'm so stoked yeah i mean i've seen them twice now me and ty went mm, 2009 nine or ten yeah 2009 yeah. and i saw them in 2004 that was the first time obviously Feels like a lifetime ago. I cannot wait to see them again. Were they at a U.S. Bank in 2009 yeah. as well? Yep. Okay. 04 was awesome. It was them and Godsmack. Ooh, it was yeah. it was a great show. It was when Godsmack was like at the like the height of their of their career. Not saying they're not there, but I mean it was just they were they were on fire yeah. right then. And then the one we saw in 2009, it was. Lamb of God and Gojira. Gojira. Which I've heard Lamb of God's a really, really good live band. Uh, they're I mean, good. Yeah, yeah, they're good live. Yeah, they put on an awesome show. Gojira's an awesome band. They're from France, and they're amazing. Um, I think it was a slap to the face of the Asians. <laughs> Gojira. Oh. <laughs> ah, wrong one. There we go. <laughs> okay. So anyways. So that, <laughs> so that so brings us bitch. in... That brings us into this week's topic. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Uh, got a bunch of people to participate, you know, along with this subject. But we're talking the almighty Met, the heavy metal masters, Metallica. In my opinion, uh, we've discussed this a little bit off mic, Ty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any band that's greater than Metallica, in my yeah, opinion. I don't think you can touch them. They've just, like, the albums, the songs, I mean, you know, probably one of the best live bands ever, ever perform and still be doing it for damn near 40 years going yeah. on performing anyways. I mean, just endless amounts of fans and, you know, all these records sold all over. You hear them on the radio nonstop. I mean, 
I yeah, to me there's nobody better, and they're not even my all time favorite band, but I I don't think there's anybody better in my opinion. Sure, yeah, I would agree. I don't think they're touchable. Uh, I would Same. I would yeah I would I would third that motion. I mean their depth their right I, every track on their song just basically rocks your face even the even the slower ones which I mean I'm sure we'll get into with right you know, well and that's what songs and whatnot they've been so versatile over their career but they've you you can always like feel like Metallica attitude like you know I've never determined the heaviness of a song is how low the sound of your guitar is or how many double bass you know, beats you can do or something like that. It's just like attitude. And that's literally all Metallica is, is just attitude. And, uh, I mean, it goes with their song attitude, but <laughs> they've just, they've done it their way for so long. And, and so the kind of the cool thing with them, and we'll, we'll start our discussion now is how they, how they formed, you know, like most bands, you know, speak, you know, speaking from being in one for myself for years is, Normally, you form a band with your friends. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say like, a lot of bands, they, they, at least, you know, obviously two people. I mean, you got to, that's the first interaction. You you go to school, yes. you, you find that you, you know, listen to the same music, and, you know, all of a one, sudden you one start, guy plays drums, yep. the other one plays guitar, that kind of thing. There's like, hey, man, we should get together and jam. Yeah, Let's exactly. Jam. Exactly. Not how Metallica is, or was when they started. And, that in itself to me is amazing because they've been able to stay together for so long now. Granted, uh, the core of the band is James and Lars from the beginning, but you know, in all honesty, it, it was Lars. <laughs> Lars started it, right? And he started it by uh, putting an ad in this like newsletter called the Recycler. He hadn't had a band or anything yet, and he was already he had already talked a friend he that owned metal blade records uh brian slagle lars already talked him into letting him have a song on this like compilation record that he had and he didn't even have a band yet <laughs> he's like yeah i mean i got i'll get a band together if you let me or you know whatever yeah. kind of thing and so he puts an ad out there and james is the one that calls him definitely not your typical way of getting into the industry well right. hello there yeah Right, and uh, <laughs> ooh, I'm James. Yeah, great. It sounds awesome. Fine people. <laughs> so, and and the big thing was the thing that they connected on music wise. It was this like this. It was this. Uh, I'm not trying to be like, like I don't know, smart alecky or anything. It was this uh-huh. wave of of music out of like uh, England. That was dubbed the new wave of British heavy metal. Okay. And it was like, I'm talking like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, other bands that they would be influenced by would be like Saxon. There's a band called uh, Raven and things of that nature. Def Leppard was actually kind of part of that when they first came out. And uh, so that's kind of what they bonded on there. And then they just uh, kind of kind of formed a band a little bit there. Original bassist Ron McGovney. I I can't remember exactly how he came into the band. He did not last long though at all. Because uh, then enter Dave Mustaine, which we all know is uh, Megadeth front right. man founder. Right. You know. Uh, he was only. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this as well. But he, how long was Mustaine with them? Only not long. Yeah. Just a couple years. A couple years. That's what I thought. Not not long, long right. at all. So I mean, he comes in. And, you know, and they you know they were, you know, ripping it up. Pretty, 
pretty well. I mean, hitting the scene and stuff, but Mustaine, he just got a little too wild even from the get go. And Ron McGovney, he was like, he, he couldn't handle it. Right. He couldn't stay, hang with him or anything. So, uh, he just, uh, he said, I'm, I'm quitting the band. I, you know, whatever. And then they go out at the show and, uh, see this old, big old red mop just waving in the air, flinging on the bass <laughs> from this band called Trauma, which, uh, ended up being Cliff Burton. And they just, and Metallica had already kind of made a name for themselves on the scene or whatever. But, uh, so they, you know, introduced themselves and whatever and, Talked him into joining the band. I mean, he left the band that he was in to go be with Metallica, which obviously we all know was was probably the best decision of his life. Right. <laughs> yes and no. We'll get to right. that. Yeah, right. Yes and no. True. Um, not trying to be a little right like his gloomy or doomy yeah. there, but um. So we'll get back into the, we'll get into that here in a little bit with Cliff, but uh, so then they're rolling hot uh, with you know kind of the first official lineup: Dave Mustaine. James, uh, Lars, and then Cliff Burton. Uh, then they record a what was, ended up becoming a very popular tape, uh, "Metal Up Your Ass," <laughs> which you know they had T-shirts, and I really want to get a T-shirt and all that because I feel I feel like that just defines Metallica in well, a like, nutshell. Well, the picture is a toilet with a hand sticking up with like a fucking uh, like. Like a, uh, like a, I don't know. Oh, like one of the chains? Like a chain from the toilet? No, no oh. it's like a, a plunger? stabbing device. Like, <laughs> oh. up, like oh. holy shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> a, a dagger. Sh- <laughs> yeah, like a dagger or a, a shard or something. Like I've like, never seen it, but if you find a place to get those shirts, I will reimburse you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet looking. And, you know, the cool thing back then uh, was what, what kids would do is they would tape okay. trade. They would tape sure. trade. And that's how Metallica got around. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them too. They would, you know they'd probably take the tape and then you know they'd put it in like a, a dual cassette and record it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, hell, I did that off the radio. I, say, all I the mean, time. I think that's exactly how we all got I into mean, music. I, I mean, first. it was like two thousands. <laughs> Absolutely, so. man. That's how they got around. And then uh, this guy in New York, Johnny Zazula, got a hold of it, and he was working with Anthrax at the time, which you know is another big name. And that I've heard of them. Yeah, and that you know the whole big four scene, which you know we'll get into in a little bit with you know Metallica's influence, but they got a uh, he got a hold of them, wanted them to come to New York and all this stuff, and that's kind of where the wheels started falling off the wagon with Mustaine, a little too much of a even for Metallica, a little partying too hard kind of deal, and they were ready to ditch him before they even got to New York, and then they got to New York and then woke him up one morning after a night of partying and. Told him he was fired from the band. <laughs> just, hmm. just kicking his bedside. Hey, Dave, uh, you're fired. You're out. Get out. See you, buddy. S- well, other sit- than the firing, I think we've all been there. <laughs> right. <laughs> sit- sitting, sitting him on a freaking Greyhound back to California. And then uh, enter Mr. Kirk Hammett. I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, he, he had found out and immediately drove to New York to uh, audition for him and they didn't even play a song. He 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 hooked up at, in his amplifier. They brought with him. Just started shredding. They heard him in another room, and they were like, they walked in and be like, "You got the job." Oh shit! Didn't, he, didn't even have like an actual audition. So then then you got the real, real like main lineup of Metallica formed after Kirk comes in. But speaking of like Kirk and where he came from, another big band from the Bay Area that he started was uh, Exodus. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, they weren't as big, obviously, but, you know, they had a few little hits here and there. They still play. Um, but, like, Metallica, they were kind of the first, uh, quote-unquote, thrash band of that era, of that era and the area. And, sure. And, I mean, like, this, you know, the hands that they've had in with everything, I mean, you know, they, they, they roomed and, like, bunked with the guys in Anthrax forever. And, you know, Kurt came from Exodus. Dave left and ended up going forming Megadeth the other you know what I mean like like all the influences and, wild. and the hand that they've had yeah. and you know when you know uh, shows with Slayer and all that kind of stuff don't think of that stuff all the time you know you don't think of that stuff all the time so I mean and and, the, and they wanted to get out of Los Angeles so bad because of the hair metal scene and they, it was it was just so like I can't remember what Dave Mustaine referred to them as but it, it was just or all oh, glam metal he, Dave Mustaine called it gay L.A. metal. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, did, that, that's, that's, that's what it was. And didn't thrash metal actually come from an anthrax song, I believe, called Metal Thrashing Mad? Yeah, yeah I think you know, the like term a, had kind of got, already kind of been coined on. by a uh, reporter. Because they were kind of the lap. No, they might have been one of the first ones. I think their first album came out in 82. They all had an album come out around the same time, basically, right. but... Mm. Oh yeah, what a what a pretty sun that is. There we go. I don't have one of those because I have moonshine. <laughs> I have a tin lid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So so then you got the uh, the Kill 'Em All lineup. It was when they go to record Kill 'Em All was in New York, uh, and you know probably can't really ask for much of a better debut album from a band <laughs> that ends up going to be in the biggest fucking band in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I love the, like the rawness of the sound too. And then, you know, one thing about them is like, honestly, I think maybe other than load and reload, every album has its own sound. Yeah. Like they're not one same sound. And even load and reload, it, me, I, I listen to detail, but if you listen to it a little closely, like the, you can tell the difference. I, I, yeah, yeah, you can tell the difference for yeah. sure. But um, and we'll get to those albums later as well. Um, but yeah, so like the, the sounds of you. So you get you got Kill 'Em All, a little bit raw, not as not as in your face as the rest of their stuff gets, but still just you know great songs. I mean, you know, and they still play some to this day. We'll probably hear a few of them. Seek and Destroyer probably one. I mean that's that's a been a staple in their shows for years now. Four Horsemen, Hit the Lights is that's that's you know that's one they commonly play. Um, I think mm, what would my favorite song off that one be? My favorite song off that one is probably Whiplash. I love that fucking song so much. It, it's it's a killer song. It's yeah, fun to play too. I like singing Whiplash uh, and replacing the word with Dick Rash. <laughs> That's kind of weird. It's <laughs> a whole new meaning to I that don't, song. I don't know why, but I just always have <laughs> songs I can remember. Dick Rash. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I gotta go. Go with the seek and destroy for me. You can't go wrong with. No. I mean, that's that's such a great song. It's a good. It's a it's a good live one too. Oh, I bet a great football one. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Used a lot in the NFL. Um. Yeah, and then so we'll go from "Kill 'Em All" to uh, "Ride the Lightning," you know, which is I mean, I'm gonna pretty much say that I mean every album to me is a classic album in, in regards to them. That's why I feel like they're the greatest band 
of all time, but like they got definitely got a lot heavier, got a lot more punch in their sound, uh, you know, and it, and it gave us classics like "From the Bell Tolls," "Fade to Black," "Creeping Death," which is another staple as as the other two. Um, I mean, that's 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 a fantastic album. I love listening to that one. That was one of the ones like I like I kind of discovered later on. It was like one of the last ones I had ever picked up from. I'm like, man, like it's just so good, especially for that time period too. Like they were just they just seemed like they were so far ahead of the game production wise, song quality wise, and that was what's cool about them is they weren't. I mean, if you really listen to them, they didn't they didn't have a lot of songs that were just like just fast, like fast paced the entire time. Like they kind of wove in and out. They know how to like, Oh yeah. Break up a monotony, which is, which is some of the issue I have with a lot of those thrash bands is that it was just like, for the, all sounds the same. Right. For, for them, it was all just kind of let's, how fast can we play? And, you know, chugging open notes, you know, dig 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 you know, and Metallica had that, right. but they knew how to break it up and make a song become a song. And that's what, I think that's what they kind of did with ride the lightning is they really started forming songs. I kind of touched on like the sound quality too. I, I I'd find it hard. I would find it very difficult to um, find another band. I guess early on, starting off with that good of sound, like the production. Um, you see a lot of like these even newer bands where technology is great. You know, it just doesn't sound the same. Or it takes them a couple albums to finally find themselves. I feel like right. Metallica just started right off from the get go. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that like is that because in the beginning they kind of like sang about that kind of metal force and you know that kind of stuff, and then with the second album immediately they just started writing about you know one of the things that James always did writing lyrics wise is he he would always he read a lot of books. Yeah, and, yeah, and right. he he based a lot of his stuff off books. Uh, Very cool. I can't remember exact ones off the top of my head, but I know for him the Bell Tolls that's based on a book. Yeah, and one. One, one. Yeah. Johnny got his gun. We know that one for sure. We'll definitely get to Justice album here soon. Uh, and then you know personal songs too, like Fade to Black. I mean, oh yeah. The, I mean those lyrics are so so deep. Right, right. And I don't know if it's true or not. I read that that song was based off of. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't make much sense, but like somebody had like stolen all their equipment. At one point, they were on tour, and all their equipment got stolen. And then James wrote that song or something like that because. I can only assume maybe he felt like the band was done, I guess, or something. I don't know, but <laughs> that definitely calls a delay. <laughs> cool, cool thing about music is you know you can interpret it any way you want to. And yeah, it, exactly. But that song is so fantastic. I, I mean, I never get tired of hearing that one. I don't really get tired of hearing much any of them. them. But, yeah, but I mean, and he got kind of like low bangers off that album. Like, uh, I mean, the song itself, "Ride the Light." I mean, what a fantastic freaking song. And then of course. They started getting to the little instrumentals, uh, you know, Call of Cthulhu on that one. And touching on their instrumentals, I mean, because they, for the first four albums, they had one per album, but their instrumentals are fantastic. to none. Like, I, I can't really listen to many instrumentals and not be, like, kind of, you know, I can ignore the fact that there's no singing going on. Like some instrumentals just seem like they're dragging. Metallica for some reason they just they can they're able to tell a story just through the music. <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't get yeah. how I don't you know because one of my favorite songs by them and we're going to jump to the Master of Puppets album is Orion. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I love that song. 
I mean, it just kind of takes you on a story. It it doesn't get monotonous and boring. I mean, they got little additives, you know, little lead guitar parts that go on it. You know, that was where uh, Cliff got to really show a lot of his musicianship because he he had a big hand in a lot of the writing on Master Puppet's album, but especially uh, the Orion instrumental. Yeah. And I, I love that song. I, I kind of almost get like goosebumps. I get lost in it. I get goosebumps sometimes listening to it, and and sometimes I kind of almost like get emotional listening to it because that was that was a tribute to Cliff. I mean, really, kind of now it is because you know, unfortunately, when they were on tour over in uh, Sweden, I believe, you know, bus accident yeah. that yes. killed that killed him, and so they actually played Orion at his funeral. They considered calling it quits after that too didn't they i don't know if they ever considered calling it quits because they they were kind of like most people you know we needed to do it for him now and he would want us right to carry on thing and you know funny story about that uh and i remember this from their behind the music back in the day on vh1 Mm -hmm. um it was actually a little thing between kirk and cliff like who would get that specific bunk or something oh yeah and uh they were like drawing cards or straws or something i think it was cards whoever had the highest card got to pick and cliff got it and he you know the bunk wow. that he picked you know because if that was you know he got flew out he got thrown out of the bus and the bus fell on top of him you know so that could have been kirk you could know been, yeah very very kind of creepy eerie things but let's talk about the master puppets album because <laughs> this most people would probably say that maybe maybe Injustice for All or maybe the Black Album was their uh like their defining moment, I guess, musically. But personally for me, I think it's Master of Puppets. I mean the like the songs are just so good on that album and the sound was amazing too. Some people could probably say that like maybe that sound and ride the lightning are kind of similar to each other, but uh, it just again I, it, they got their sound tired of the guitars, you know. Especially me, just being a musician, like I analyze everything going on with the guitars and like vocals and all that stuff. James really coming into his own as a vocalist and all that kind of stuff, but like just riffs, like, riffs, riffs. Like I mean, they were the band that made me want to play guitar, like just. Good. I feel like it was just kind of like an overall masterpiece. Really, they had everything flowing at its peak. I think the whole album. I think when you want to look at heavy metal, if you if you're a kid, say Colton, you know, say when he gets ten, eleven, twelve, and he kind of maybe starts getting into music a little bit around the same time I did. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he likes a little bit of that heavier stuff, and he was like, you know, wants to ask me what I listen to or what would you. I'd, I'd probably go straight to Master Puppets. Like, if you want to listen to, like, heavy metal and get a good idea for what it is... Start here. Start here. <laughs> yeah. Because a little bit of everything. You got the mm-hmm. you got the fast thrashing stuff, battery right off the bat. Man. But there's musicianship in there, too. That intro to battery with the acoustic guitars and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you have, I like, mean, a minute of, like, this nice, you know, melody, and it's it's all calm, and then all of a sudden just rip your fucking face off. Like, oh, man. You know, and... Get you, you going. Master Puppets, kind of an up-tempo one, but not, like, <clears throat> super fast. And then you got, like, probably one of the, if not the heaviest song I've ever heard in my life, 
which is the thing that should not be. Oh man! Like I and those are the kind of metal songs that I love the most. The ones that are slowed down and just have like just yeah. that chunky, fat like yeah. guitar like riff. And I mean that that song has it for sure. Um, and then another kind of similar to Fade to Black, another like I don't want to say ballad for Metallic. I can't really use that word for them, ish though. Ballad ish, yeah. but Sanitarium. Right. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I could go on every track on this album. I yep. mean, it's, and it's all fantastic. You know, uh, like I said, Orion's, that's probably be, probably my favorite instrumental by them. Um, but again, that's like the masterpiece for me, for them. That's the go-to for like any metal at all. I don't care what you define it as or what you want to listen to or what you prefer. Like, if it wasn't for stuff like that, you wouldn't have, you know, the hundreds of thousands of bands that, are playing today and putting on shows and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Definitely. And I, I mean, personally, I think James is a massively underrated guitar player. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I know, I know we discussed on the ACDC one of Malcolm probably being the greatest rhythm guitarist, right. but, man, James is right there, man, because he can, he can write a riff, he can play, I mean, his his hands, like, you don't hear him doing the crazy solos, but, man, he he can... He can work that guitar pretty good, and he can't look down a lot. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> Got to have his lips on the mic. Yeah, he's he's kind of cool too. I loved watching him as a guitar player myself because uh, he he kind of developed. I mean, most guitar players have their own style, but he literally like developed his own personal style of playing. And it's weird when I go back and learn how to play songs. I'm like, man, that's so weird that he does that when you could just do this right here. But <laughs> it's just what suits him, right? I mean, I learned that out recently with Inner Sandman. Like in in the beginning riff, I thought there was like a an open note on there, and come to find out, he's 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 fingering it down uh, on a different part of the fretboard, and I'm like, man, I had no idea that he played that like that. It just seems weird to me because he could do this instead, but that's just how he right. how he does it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I learned a lot just from watching him play and and all that kind of stuff. And he he can play a pretty good solo too. Mm-hmm. Do you know about like his musical background, like how he got started? Did he? Was it all? Did like did he read music or did he just pick it up and play by ear? Um, like Bon Scott played a recorder, no, right? Not like that. <laughs> oh, right. He definitely did not read music. I can tell you, he kind of okay. taught himself how to play. He started off playing like acoustic, like classical guitar kind of thing. Because his well, the thing is, is his his upbringing was a, a very strict Christian Science family. Okay. Um, so I would say a lot of the rock music was not. It was frowned upon in this establishment. Yeah. And then fucking uh, Bin Laden. <laughs> um, but yeah, because he probably learned a lot of it by sound. Though he probably developed his own ways of just hitting, right, the, hitting yeah. the notes when he needed to hit them. Right. So he, he not, definitely not he your de- uh, you know step by step learner. Little fun fact here: Kirk Hammett was actually uh, he was actually taught uh, took lessons from Joe Satriani. Really? Yeah. Yep. Actually, he did that a lot too. Uh, in between the Master of Puppets and Injustice for All albums, hmm. they went back to uh, kind of take a little break, especially after Cliff had died or whatever. And uh, he took some lessons, just brushing up his skills, which you could hear on the next album we're getting to, which is Injustice for All. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's a that's definitely a unique album in its own because that was like they got like progressive and all over the place. <laughs> I mean. You know, riffs galore. Like, uh, there's no other music that I've had fun, more fun playing than like Metallica, just because of 
the riffs and how all over you can be with everything and you right. know, the underrated mm-hmm. musicianship. I don't care what anybody says, especially like with Lars because he really shined on that one too. And he gets a lot of slack for his playing, but uh, you know, like he he's said himself that he he has no interest in like technical abilities and all that kind of stuff. He's and you guys will like this too. He's actually said drummers like Charlie Watts, which is the Rolling Stones drummer, and Phil Rudd were drummers that he loved listening to more than anybody because they played on feel. You know what I mean? They, yeah, I like they, that. They did what was best for the song, not what, well, not what they could do themselves personally. I think that's a. I mean, that's fantastic too. Because I would always dub his style more loose. Like he's got a loose style of playing rather than you know he's not technical or. You know, whatever, however people trash him or whatever it is. I mean, maybe not like the driving force, so to speak, like just playing with like, try not to like overtake the song with his drums. Right. Just playing. Uh, just not being flashy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, I guess that'd be the good word. Yeah. Yep. That would be good. And he's mm-hmm. a hell of a drummer too. I mean, it, you know, you listen to their albums. I mean, he's, you know, like I said, later on, he got a little more loose with it and just kind of went on feel and everything. But those first four albums, man, he's. He's playing pretty damn good, and a lot of like the little nuances that they do, like the accents where the drums and guitars are kind of playing the same quote unquote mm-hmm. riff together. I right. mean that kind of stuff, just how it fits the song. And he was really focused on on Justice on being like real technical and like you know precise with the drumming and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, man, I had something I was going to say about him too, but I can't. Remember. Maybe I'll come back to it. Anyways. Something cool about Injustice is that every song is listed as explicit on uh, uh, Apple Music. Is it really? Oh, yeah. I've never checked that out. That's yeah. kind of weird. Cause every I don't, single one of them. I don't... I know you wouldn't think it, but it, it is. I'm trying to like <laughs> run through the lyrics really fast in my head for all those songs. I don't I don't recall hearing an F... Like, may, I think in the very last song, they that might be where an F-bomb pops up. But that's kind of funny. Yep. Uh, you know, and goddamn you know, Apple, and and the big thing with that album obviously is the uh, bass or lack of bass in the album and the sound and all that kind of stuff. There's I don't know. There's two different sides to the story. Like Jason, even recently in the last few years, came out and said that uh, um, his the way he used to play bass is he would never really play actual bass. Because the band that he came from, which is another thrash band, uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, which they have some very underrated stuff after he left anyways. I didn't really listen to him before or when he was in them. But uh, he he wrote all the music in that band. So then he's coming to Metallica where, and I just thought of what I was going to say with Lars and all that stuff, where James and Lars are writing the majority of the music and Kirk sometimes. And so when he comes in, instead of playing bass, He's trying to play guitar on bass because that's how he did in his band. Like right. he wrote their guitar riffs while he was playing bass, and then just played the same thing. So he said he's came out and said that you know the big thing that he tried to do was he tried to stay step for step with James Hetfield, who is like miles above him as far as a player goes, and he tried to stay like you know in all those frequencies in him, and that's what kind of made the bass sound a little lacking, but. I also watched a video on YouTube of of the engineer for that album doing an interview, and he said that Lars was pretty much the one behind the bass being 
kind of dropped out a little bit because mm. he wanted his drums to be loud, you know, like most drummers do. They want their drums to be the right. the loudest part, and the guitarists want their guitars to be the loudest part, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I mean, every band will tell you that's how it is, right? Um, but basically, and the engineer told him he was like. He was like, if this is how like you guys want this album to sound, like don't put my name on it, please. <laughs> and I don't know if that's what the final product came to be. I have to go back and watch that interview again. It was pretty good, but uh, regardless, an amazing album. Mm. I mean, it, heavy as hell. Um, you so know. was Newstead in on the writing of... No. No, not no. at all. Okay. I don't think he really... Mm, man... I don't know if he even came in on any of the writing. He may have helped out a little bit. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the credits, but uh, looks like he made on black and black. I was getting ready. I was going to say that. Yeah, it one. Looks like the only one, actually. He may have had a yeah. It was funny because James was usually in charge of lyrics. But the thing I was going to say about Lars is, you know, people say they want to about him and his drumming and all that kind of stuff. But you know, for, he's got a knack for like song arrangements. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of because if you listen to a lot of Metallica's demos. Compared to how the final song is, it's night and day. Not even the same thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times James and Kirk will come up with a riff and then Lars will sit on it and sit on it and he'll come back like, hey, try it like this, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times that's how it goes. Um, and I'll get into that with the song off the Black album. Uh, but, uh, you know, of course the big song off Justice is one. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And, uh, but I mean, every that whole album is just fantastic, start to finish. I mean, Blackens one of my favorite songs always by them. That that may be one we hear when we see them. Uh, one will probably definitely for sure. Oh man, I mean, for that's, sure. That's a staple no matter where you go. The fire is hot a, when they play that song. Yeah, a little uh, like kind of personal story or whatever um, about one. A shout out. <laughs> To was it Mrs. Hobson, seventh grade social studies teacher? Or, ta- or uh, this was high school freshman social uh, studies teacher. She was younger. No, it was a it was an English English. Yeah, um, Gages or Fugate. No, was, I think it was I think it was Hobson Hensley. No. Anyways, anywho, she had a um, section in her class that we actually like listened to one. And showed the video. Well, because we read that book, Johnny, Johnny got right, exactly. I read that in Hensley. Okay, but I didn't have Hensley, so weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of cool, you know. You're like freshman, sophomore in high school. Hell and yeah! You're bringing in like a Metallica song, and I don't know. That's just always been one song from, you know, growing up or whatever. That, you guys remember that? that? Stick with me. You guys remember that book? Johnny got a hand job from the nurse, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was weird. I. I <laughs> I hated uh, I hated reading so much, but I was so interested in that book solely because of the song one. Sure, absolutely. You know, because the videos got clips from the movie mm-hmm. and all that right. kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and again, it just kind of shows you the 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 range of like what James can write about all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Because I mean, oh, so yeah, it's it's literally based on that book, but but you made can it his inter- own. well, and you can <laughs> you can interpret it however you want to. I mean. All that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, it's about somebody that was blown up in war and all that kind of stuff when you get to the end. But right. uh, keeping alive. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I think they can tell by the lyrics if they ain't heard the song by now. <laughs> but, um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was really cool. God, we watched that video 
the music video, right. I think we watched like five or six times. And I was like, I mean, yeah, let's play it again. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> we talked we talked Mr. Owen or Owens, whatever his name was. Yeah. Really yeah. old sub. Yeah. We talked him into letting us listen to it for an entire class. Oh, my across the street yep, neighbor. That's him. That's him. We did. We talked him into it. We just sat there and listened to it. We told him that we had uh, Hensley, Mrs. Hensley made us do, uh, you know what? I might have had Young for that. Might have been Mrs. Young. It doesn't it's matter. So it's been so it goddamn long ago. Know, 10 plus years but ago to a lot of lost brains. We made, uh, we, we, we talked Mr. Owens into that we had like a full class time to write uh, like an essay. And we all just pretended to write an essay while we listened to the writing. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Greatest and, period of my life. <laughs> you know, and honestly, the movie is as weird as it was. I mean, it's an old, old movie, but it really wasn't that bad. I, sure. I mean, I, no. I enjoyed it anyways. Um, just the, the overall story of, you know, the soldiers just kind of, it's just eerie. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's right. just very eerie. Right. But, um, yeah, it kind of, yeah, I mean, and it made you think too. Like, is this? Oh God, yeah. Is this really what happens? Like, I mean, do they actually keep people like this alive? Do that- all quadriplegics get hand jobs? Right, exactly. That's the most important question. <laughs> if so, I'm interested. <laughs> and I mean, realistically, like, did he still have his balls? Like, I guess was, it'd be quad amputee, not quadriplegic, right. but nonetheless. Like, was everything there? Like, I think they do mention it in the book. That... It's probably pretty crispy. Oh, oh. All right, move on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was awful. Oh, Son of man. a bitch. <laughs> Just killed that one. <laughs> jerking off a piece of bacon here. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, going Christ. From, going from justice... Uh, as if they weren't already the biggest band in the world. Oh, man. Then we get to the quote unquote black album, self titled right. Metallica. I mean, that thing just blew the doors up for air metal in general. And, you know, then of course they, that's when they started getting labeled with the sellouts and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, they've, their, their response always has been, yeah, we're sellouts. We sell out every concert we go to. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, basically. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's really not much you can actually say about that album that really hasn't been said, other than that every song is literally a classic. Perfect. And, I mean, and, yeah, you know, it's up there with the Back in Blacks, it's up there yep. with the Dark Side of the Moons, with the Thrillers. I feel like that was the album that also reached the audience outside of maybe the people who truly love the heavy metal you know what i mean well you know that's where the whole whole sell right because then all of a sudden women started loving the music and it's like well hell i mean hey you just got more fans right exactly go for it um it's hit after hit really i mean i think they had five number one songs off that album i mean can't really add, I mean, you pretty much know you've got a good album when that happens, especially back in that day or back in that time. Oh, yeah, period. for sure. And there's a really cool uh documentary that goes along with that, too. It's called The Year and a Half of, uh, in the Life of Metallica. Um, and part of it goes off uh with when they're recording the album, which is really cool to see them recording the album and all that kind of stuff and just how long they took. And you know, producer uh, who was famous at the time, Bob Rock, who was famous for producing The Cult. Uh, Motley Crue and uh, uh, Bon Jovi. I've heard of and, them. And uh, I've read it. And uh, <laughs> they uh, 
they were skeptical at first with him because he comes in there and tries to tell them like, oh, I think you should do this. You should probably, and, and, and they were like, who the fuck is this guy? Like they were right. ready to fire him right then and there. And, uh, he, you know, that their management talked him into it. Like, no, like listen to this guy obviously knows what he's right. You know, you guys need someone to pal- polish your sound, especially after, you know, coming off of justice, you know, right. All that kind of stuff. Just, if, if Bruce Dickinson says you need more cowbell, you know, you need more cowbell, right. Yeah. He's got a fever. <laughs> And the only prescription, more cowbell. Um, but you know, as we learned, the biggest album of their career, and uh, you know, I think actually, pro- I mean, my favorite song off of that album, honestly, is probably uh, mm, I got to go with Holier Than Now. Like I, I, that song is just, and it's funny with that one too. It's you know, it really wasn't meant to be like this, but kind of a funny segue to that is that's the song that Bob Rock thought should have been the lead single off that album as opposed to Inner Sandman. Dude, you told me that a couple, like, three or four weeks ago, and I, that's just unbelievable. It's it's so funny, too, because there's a, there's a part in the, uh, in the, in that documentary where he's talking about it with them. He's like, you know, this song should be, and he's, they're sitting, it's like James, Lars, and him, and he's sitting there going, like he just you know he's like you build it build it you are and it's like that's cool dynamics and james lars are both just sitting there looking at him like um okay and you know but i I still love that song regardless that that was like man like talk you're talking about a a guitar player's album like songs you play i mean I don't you feel know. like you could like pick a wrong song no. to be your favorite on that album, though. Honestly, no, no. I mean, I like Holier. My favorite's of Wolf and Man. Mm-hmm. I, I love that song. Yeah. We played that in uh, actually on my like yeah. quote unquote underrated songs. I don't know. Oh, it spoiler wasn't, alert! Like, sorry, yeah, no, spoiler sorry, alert, Billy. But what? I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> of Wolf, of Wolf and Man. Man. Yeah, oh, it's fucking great song. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, fantastic song. Um, uh, let's see here trying to think what I was going with. Oh, the other part of that documentary too is uh is uh when they're touring on that album afterwards um getting into the touring life of Metallica which was <laughs> a sight to see in itself. But the, but it's cool cuz it, it went across like them going to like uh the award shows and playing all that stuff. You know, they started blowing up at that point. And speaking of award shows, going back to Justice is the abomination that happened at the Grammys that year where Jeff Toll beat out Metallica for best metal album. <laughs> like I'm sorry, Jethro Tull? Yes, Jethro huh. Tull. Yeah. That's a okay. complete uh slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the biggest shocker around the world. I like the biggest slap in the face ever. Uh but then they come back, you know, after Black Album and they're winning every single rock and roll category that ever existed. Right. Um, Did James entertain bringing a flute into the band? No, no. <laughs> There's a lot of cool things. For fuck's you, sake. Right. There's a lot of cool things that you see, though, uh, when they're making that album, just like the stuff that went, stuff that you don't hear, like uh, another like a, a song I really love, uh, The God That Failed. Um, yeah. Like in the very beginning, part of that riff, it's very, it's very like, uh, daint, I guess would be the word. Like you can barely hear it. Is like he actually brought James brought in his rifle and he he like he cocks it every like in a certain part of the riff you'd you'd have to listen to it really it's it's that's cool yeah, no shit yeah you can hear it in there it's like the da-da-da. like on the dinner part you can hear it like it'll go 
Yeah, that's 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 that pretty cool. cool. Pretty wicked sounding. It's like a little uh, what they call it, like an Easter egg. Easter egg, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's awesome. I'm now, full of them. Now, would you guys say okay? So that album came out in '91, so we were like what, fucking three, four? Yeah, I um, wasn't even two. I was, yet. I was, you, I was yeah, two. you weren't even two. So I was, I think I was three then. But um, obviously, we weren't listening to uh, heavy metal at that age, more than likely, or at least knew what it was. But growing up, was that the first album you guys? Kind of listen to with Metallica by Metallica, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it was it was mine. I don't know about you. What do you mean, right? Like first L- album we owned, or maybe like or like that's what like oh hey, there's this band called Metallica and they have Inner Sandman as a song. Or it's like I hear Inner Sandman and I'm like oh who's that? Kind yeah, of, okay, yeah. Well, I mean that was, I mean that song never stops playing. It's right. still playing like yeah. <laughs> to this well, day. Right. Um, well, you guys know my history on rock and roll. It was Skateway. Right. Skateway. Shout out to the Skateway. That was who. <laughs> that was uh, that was where I heard Inner Sandman for the first time. Yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, so while they're on that tour, I mean, like, I mean, and it's every bit of crazy that you can think of, like all the stuff that they're doing and all that stuff. You know, they had the big uh, Monsters of Rock tour at the Donington show with ACDC. And can you imagine if those two bands had ever like went on tour together? Probably would have been the biggest tour I, in the know, history. Of I'd sell my ever. house. I wonder why that never happened. I think would, would it be too big? Yeah, they're too big. Would man. it be just be I too think big? The two of them together is too big. Right. Right. I mean, just to have just them two though, like no no other band. Just hey, it's ACDC and Metallica. I mean, it's that's a six hour show. Yeah, right, it is. But I'm God down damn, for it. I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> that would have—I don't know—I'm down for it, but they there probably should have been some type of promoter out there that really like. God, why didn't we do that? Yeah. Well, funny thing about that when you talk about them being like too big of a tour is uh, <clears throat> one of the big things that happened to them when they were touring on the Black Album is they ended up going on tour with Guns N' Roses, and Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses at that time was huge. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was after Use Your Illusions and stuff came out and all that, and uh, so it was them, Guns N' Roses, and Faith No More, and I don't. I don't think it was supposed to be a co-headlining tour. I think it, you know, the Guns N' Roses was the headliner, I think, from the start. And Metallica was like, yeah, whatever. You know, right. We've only been around, you know, seven more years than you guys have, but whatever, sure. And uh, when they were, when they had a show in uh, in Canada, I'm thinking it was, I want to say Toronto. I could be wrong. Anyway, in Canada... And uh, during Fade to Black, uh, uh, one of the pyro things that's supposed to go off in the intro went off, and James forgot where he was supposed to be and actually stepped into the flame. Uh, and, man, like, nobody really knew what was going on because then all of a sudden you'd hear, like, his guitar. And, like, you can hear in the audio his strings just start melting off because you let, just hear, like, these noises, like, coming from his guitar and all that. So, obviously, they had to stop their show. You know, I mean, okay. it goes without saying. And then uh, Axl Rose, you know, that was when he was a shithole. And mm-hmm. uh, he decided that... Has he ever stopped? Well, I mean, <laughs> seems a little more humble now. <laughs> but uh, he felt like he was being upstaged in a way. because course, because everyone's going to remember that. Right. Everybody was worried, more worried about that. And he decided to throw a fit. And he stormed off stage that same night. And then... That place went ape shit, like <laughs> riots, like turnover cop cars, <laughs> fires, all that shit. I mean, it was, it was, and there, I mean, it, and there's 
their footage of it too, like that documentary. I've, I've seen the footage on YouTube. I'm pretty sure I mean, you can I mean, see it on there. It's insane. Yeah, like I, it just amazes me that somebody could. Do you know where like, you are? Because I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean there, <laughs> <laughs> there was problems. Metallica wasn't happy about that to begin with. It was mostly kind of their management wanting them to do it, but they were not happy on that tour to begin with. Because those guys, they they never wanted to like. Slash was the only one that would ever like acknowledge talk to him, him right. and, like and all that stuff. Axel never wanted to talk to him, nothing and blah blah blah. It's it's funny too. James is like going down like their uh, man. What's that called? A band's list of like things they want in their room. Oh, um, oh, mm. <sighs> shit! I'm trying to look I my know, time. right? But anyways, so yeah, he starts running down a few things and like uh, he he says like. He says something about uh, some kind of bee honey. He was like, you know, it's so it's so he can get his voice to say like this, like, <laughs> like just you know. And then uh, uh, he says something about uh, potato chips or something like that. And he's like, you know, it's for the grease, you know, they can slick back their hair and all that kind of shit. Like just rolling all this shit. Yeah. I mean, shitting on them. It, it, it's fucking hilarious. And uh, but they, yeah, they kind of had problems with that tour from the start because they just didn't want to. You know, it was like Metallica was kind of the down to earth band, and Guns N' Roses thought they just were above and beyond everybody else. Yeah, what what you're talking about there too? That's that's a fun Google search because you can find a whole list of uh, performers that have. Oh yeah. The, yeah. What I'm look whatever the word is, and it is like ridiculous. Like they want three armchairs, they want a couch, they want. I think the most six fam- bottles of water. I think you the, know. I think <laughs> the it's most so random. I think the most famous one was. Wasn't it Van Halen? They didn't want any brown M and M's or something like yeah, that. Was, yeah, I, I remember something like that. There was somebody like <laughs> like Mariah Carey or Christina Aguilera, maybe Beyonce or or Queen yeah. or Queen Bay. Like only only white only white colored things. Yeah, in their their room, it was weird. Yeah, they, <laughs> they get really they get really crazy. Um, I saw a Chive album album that had uh, like the full right. list of. You know, bands and their demands. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then now the cool thing about that is they didn't they didn't really waste a beat, uh, really on that tour. Um, James's guitar tech ended up stepping in and playing with him and all that kind of stuff, and he just ended up singing. And he, you know, he always said it was like weird and stuff. He was like, I don't know what to do with my other hand. You know, do I hold my dick or what? Like, <laughs> those, you guys got to, if you can find that documentary, it's called A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallic. You'd probably have to find it on DVD. I don't think it's on any streaming or anything. Okay. But man, it's it's fantastic. Like I said, it follows them when they're recording a black album and then when they're touring on it and stuff and um, all that kind of deal. So then, uh, I mean, they toured into the ground with that album. I mean, I think a three, a three, Full three years solid touring. I mean, that is ridiculous. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah. That's a lot of touring. And at that point, you know, kind of needed a break. Because people always kind of wondered, like, why was there such a gap, like, in between, uh, you know, the Black Album and, you know, the one after that, which would be Load. And it's because, well, friggin' three of the five years, they were on the road touring and everything and all that kind of stuff. And so... Kind of took a little break after that, and uh, then we come to uh, Load, which is my favorite album by them. Uh, and I, the reason I love that one so much is uh, that was like, I'm not going to give away any of my top five here, but my my favorite Metallica song is on this album, mm-hmm. and um, 
is is just such a great album. Like, I mean, you, it's 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 got like some just fun guitars and stuff, and you know that's when they kind of shape their sound a little bit bluesier kind of thing. Yeah, it had a completely different sound than previous albums. A little softer, but still heavy. Well, and that's what I loved about it is because now it's like distorted or something. That well, it it wasn't even this. It was just the style. Like, yeah, like I said, it was just it was just bluesy, and uh, you know. Like personally, in my opinion, I think uh, when they did load and reload, I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of lump those in. Yeah, a little that's bit. fine. I mean, they re- released them a year apart, right? Yeah, and well, they were initially gonna release it as a double album. Oh wow, okay. And then they were like, "Well, that's too many songs for people to, you know, yeah." Because I mean, the songs are not short by any no, means. No, no. They they kind of simplified it even more than what they did on the Black album, really. <clears throat> and uh, I mean. Bluesy, um, this it still had a little bit of a darkness, still. But again, yeah. like it's this is the attitude that they had with it. You knew it was Metallica, but in my opinion, what I always tell people is, I always felt like they were just really channeling their 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 true influence was influences, which is to me Black Sabbath, Motorhead. They were all big Motorhead fans. I mean, because people kind of misconstrue what Motorhead is. Motorhead was just a fast blues hard rock band, mm-hmm. you know, like bluesy riffs. And that's kind of what load is to me. Like just it's heavy riffs and their sounds. And again, you know, forming songs, like becoming more songwriters and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, you know, since I, okay. So I picked that as my favorite album. Let's, let's jump to that real quick before we go on here a little bit. Sure. Uh, unless you got, unless we've passed your favorite albums already. Negative. Uh, my favorite album. Um, Your favorite one to listen to. <clears throat> my favorite one to listen to. It's not technically. A, it's not a studio album. S and M. Okay. By far, that's. I don't know what it is, man. I really don't. But it's so it's good. Perfect. It, yeah, it literally is. The the question that we put on the on the page, the Facebook page, the other day, which which album is perfect that you don't skip any songs. That that's the one for me. That's the one, yeah. It, it's it's I, because mostly a lot of times with live music, you you can't really like listening to it and actually being at a concert is obviously two different things, yeah. and you can't really get the emotion when you're listening to a live album. But that one you can mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know if it's the symphony going with it. I you know, Michael Kamen did a f- perfect job of yeah. syncing that up. I and mean, we'll get to that too. Cause I, I got I got funny stories with those too. For, for me, I know one one of the things that does it is that. When I, the first time I heard it, it was the first time I'd heard anything remotely similar to it. You know, that hard of rock being uh, intertwined with right, the symphony. Right. It was, yep. and they did such a bang up job with it. That's like you said, man. Every single note is is right there, and uh, you really can't find any kind of <clears throat> flaw. No, and the way they. Uh, some of the songs go into each other, especially the, the the thing that should not be going into fuel. The whole Undertaker. Oh my slide god, riff. dude! That I mean, I'm, I got cold chills thinking about that one right now, and I want to listen to it. That, that, that it's just seamless and flawless. It was un uh, that 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 is unbelievable, and how good one sounds on it. Uh, a couple other ones. Uh, I mean, obviously the Ecstasy of Gold, uh, Until It Sleeps, Outlaw Torn, like. That, all of them, but right, those, those right. are really good ones. Um, but my favorite studio album is definitely uh, also Load. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I wanted uh, the the Black Album. Yeah, uh, mainly because 
I think it's like a little nostalgic for me. That was kind of the first album I had um, of Metallica. I remember, I mean, hell, Chanley, us riding the bus together. Growing, I mean, that's that's all we listened to, pretty (laughs) much. I mean, and I think we've mentioned this maybe in a in a previous podcast. I can't really recall, but like if one of our Walkman's batteries died. <laughs> We'd have to listen while you were listening to your headphones so loud. I'd have to kind of like right, yeah. hope that nobody was loud in the morning so I could exactly. still hear what I mean, you're listening dude, I'd to. I'd wake up, get on the bus, and I'd be fucking jamming because we had we had a pretty long bus ride, so we could right. get, I can get through practically half the album. Yeah. So, um, I think that just for me and I mean, you know, like we just mentioned before, I feel I feel like it. Every song is just very good. It just plays one after the other. Um, so yeah, just. For me, I, I would just say the Black Album because of kind of the nostalgic reasons. Right, I, that's that's kind of how I am with Load too. I mean, yeah. really, I yeah, they're close. I mean, I remember you you introduced me to you know re- Load and Reload too. Um, well, I was you know stuck on the Black going album into, for going so long. into Reload. Reload was the first album I ever owned by Metallica, mm-hmm. and I think that was honestly for me, anyways. I think that was good for me because uh, that that kind of opened my ears. And my eyes up to like how, you know, quote unquote, heavy metal mm-hmm. slash hard rock can be. I mean, because <clears throat> it was still Metallica. Right. I can still, I can listen to Black End, you know, a fast, heavy ass song. And then, you know, if I shuffle it up and the next damn song is fucking Unforgiven 2 or something, I'm totally fine with that. And right. I love them both equally just because that just opened my ears to it. I, I got. Two funny stories with Load and Reload. Uh, Load or Reload, since it was the first one I got. I, I the way I got that is uh, one year for Christmas. I got Limp Biscuits, chocolate starfish, hot dog flavored <laughs> water. Yep. And you know, right off the bat, with hot dog, with that song just dropping. Fuck, fuck, 40, fuck, forty six fuck, fucks right. in a fucked up prime. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And. Uh, you know, I wasn't like disappointed in it. I, I remember for whatever reason, I was, God, I was such a, a goody two shoes as a kid, and I hate it. But I went to my mom and I was like, oh, Mom, this CD says a lot of curse words. In hey, it. did you know that this says the right. F word? <laughs> right. Well, I had already known Roland in my generation, <laughs> right? I, but I didn't expect that. Right. That was the first time I'd ever heard something like that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, really? She's like, oh, well, uh, why don't you let me have that and I'll let you get another CD. And I don't remember how Reload came to be. It may have been like... I th- it you may were infatuated have... by the blood and semen on the cover. That's Load, <laughs> not Reload. Um, me apologies, so. Load. <laughs> yeah, and I, di- I didn't put two and two together on why it was called Load until I realized, oh, that's blood and semen. Yeah. So I get the Load part now. But anyways, uh, I think wherever I was... Sh- looking for a CD, looking to get a Metallica CD. I mm-hmm. think Reload may have been the only one there. Right. So that was like how I ended up getting that one. And I, like I said, I... I'm I mean, almost 100% positive that you had you brought that CD over to the house and I recorded it on my cassette tape. I mean, man, I am pretty I sure to, that happened. I listened to that thing <laughs> endlessly. Yeah. So that's a nostalgic one for me. I think with Load, though, I think, it, again, it has my favorite Metallica song on it. Mm-hmm. And pro- honestly, my favorite song of all time is on that album. Yeah. Um, oh. And, uh, like, Load, uh, you know, like, songs like Until It Sleeps. I mean, hell, when, I, when when we played in a band, we played Until It Sleeps, Hero of the Day. We played King Nothing. Um, we, you played Fuel at the talent show. Yeah, Fuel. That'll, that'll, <laughs> I remember that to this day. Yep. Um, so, and then, kind of, 
going towards the back end of things here, uh, you know, we'll flash forward about three, four years later, Jason quits the band because of a dispute between him and James. Uh, and, you know, James was, you know, going through some shit himself, pretty bad into the alcohol and all that kind of thing. And so he ends up going to rehab and, you know, the Some Kind of Monster uh, documentary. I'm yep. assuming we've all seen that. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so you got to see that awkwardness and that whole situation go down. That's really hard to watch sometimes when you watch it back. When when James and Lars have that very last little argument over a fucking drum beat, and they just go ape shit, and James just gone, and then he's gone, like that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then uh, Jason, so Jason's gone, whatever, doing his own thing, and then James comes back. They're you know sober and everything, recording Saint Anger and. Uh, and bring in Rob Trujillo, who is now considered, well, not considered, he is the longest tenured bass player in Metallica, which is just, yeah, that is that bizarre. Is, uh, it, it's, it's so strange to think. And he's only done technically two albums with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's also like, in the main event at WrestleMania coming up. Yeah, I know, right? I think you tried to imitate him down in Louisville, too. <laughs> That's a story for another time. I don't know if Will's heard that story. We'll have to talk about this off mic. <laughs> or we can talk about it on the next one because it's wrestling related. I don't know. Word. So anyways. Uh, My dude. Saying anger. What's, I, I, I want the opinion. I love it. I don't I don't know what the... It, I, well, I, I know what it is, and I, but I don't understand why everybody frowns upon it so much. It's because... Talk about the tin can Lars used for the- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We've talked about the the, pre- the, the the albums we've talked about so far, how you can tell it's Metallica. And until... A lot of the tracks, until James begins to sing, some of the tracks, you can't tell it's Metallica unless you're a big fan. Right. So I, I I I know what the people are saying, but I don't understand it because there are hundreds of bands who change their sound completely, and the only thing that was changed was a shitty snare. And it was it was definitely very raw produced too. Like I think mm-hmm. the whole intention was for them to sound like they were a band getting together for the first time, song wise, playing wise, and sound wise on the album. Yeah, I I remember listening to it for the first time and thinking to myself that. That it was, and I don't know if this is true, but it was uh, it, it the the when I was listening to it for the first time, I thought to myself, "This is Metallica's way of saying we're still here, we're still Metallica." Like, Fuck all y'all. yeah, exactly. Like you know, you, it was the the time that the the early two thousands. I get that was. What year was it? 2003. So, so it was you know that time where the Shine Downs and the Godsmacks right. were blowing up to be kind of mega big, and Metallica wanted to be like, "Hey, we're still here." Right. That, that that's what I thought about it the first time I. The first I think time initially I when it. when I heard it, I think maybe, I don't know if maybe it was because you know my um, history with Metallica was just the the Black Album load reload. Then you had that that six year wait. For the next album to come out, and I didn't really get back into their older stuff, or I wasn't uh, exposed to their older stuff other than maybe Master of Puppets. Um, but then I heard that, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like right. I was, I was mad when I first heard. It. I was like, "Really? You went from you know these three albums that I really know to um, you know I, I I think it was a snare drum for me. I didn't like it. That's all I felt like I heard when I watched it. But I can say after I've given it." you know, some time and thought 
like it it has grown on me but it initially originally when it came out i didn't like it right yeah yeah i remember the first time they debuted a song off it was on that mtv icon show that mm-hmm. they played frantic at the, after they did their own little medley and all that kind of stuff yeah and now then when they were playing they just had their normal sound so you didn't really know and then but that was kind of the introduction to it. Now, it was kind of a teaser, too, because they, they didn't show them playing the whole song. They showed them maybe playing like a verse and a chorus, and then the show ended or whatever. And I was like, God damn it. I, mean, like, <laughs> I would always watch that bag, just kind of like hear what they, hear what was going on. But I I loved St. Anger from the start. We played St. Anger and, and Frantic for the longest time. I mean, those two those two songs are probably the two bigger ones off that album. You know, it, It's kind of disappointing in a way because they don't – maybe it's because they – You never hear it. They, they don't – well – they don't play them live anymore. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of ignored live, which I can get. It doesn't really tie in, I guess, with the rest of their stuff. And but if most of the people don't want to hear it, you shouldn't play, play it. it right. Yeah, right. That's it, the oh, this song's on. I'm going to go get a beer. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and you know that's cool about them. They're they're definitely a people's band too. So yeah, for sure. Except for when you're downloading their music. Right. Yeah. That was a big issue. And Napster. <laughs> but, but you know, and it's. Uh, I don't know if it's irony or, you know, just maybe just how the cards fell. But, I mean, it ended up being one of the best things for music in general. And and, and it never made sense to me, too, because watching that Some Kind of Monster, you know, they talk about that and all that kind of stuff. Because the song uh, on St. Anger, Shoot Me Again, is basically almost uh, Lars's um, fire back at everybody that tried to lash out at him for that and all that kind of stuff um you know uh i, I always watch like the people who are interviewing it was like oh I'm, I'm never buying metallica cds again i'm like if you have their cds why are you downloading their music i'm, I'm not i'm not <laughs> right i'm not understanding that part here but uh you know i mean streaming's a big thing now but you know it's 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 affordable for people a lot more affordable for people now and obviously it's probably kind of ruin the uh cd business i guess in a way i mean hell best buy is getting they're done they're, yeah they're just getting or they've fully done it now just continue it'll, it'll be by the end of this year i think yeah. all the best buys will not sell cds anymore is what it is but uh, be a lot of open space in there <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> lots of room for activities so many activities <laughs> um but uh i i like saint anger a lot i mean that's that's actually that day that we played that talent show. I think was the day that album came out, if I'm not mistaken. I was so jealous because Luke got it. His, his mom bought it for him, brought it to him at the talent show. I was like, oh, Mom. <laughs> I was like, look. Mario uh, recorded us playing that. Yeah, I remember that. It was funny. He, he's like running to the stage and everything like because he got the camera or whatever. Yeah. We didn't even have a name for that neither. They call it, what did they call us? I think they just said no name. Here's no name. <laughs> it was uh, if that if that's true, that's killer. It, it was uh, Mrs. Uh, Brown, the yeah, eighth, yeah, eighth science grade teacher. science teacher. You want to know a uh, fun fact about that? Is I didn't get to see you guys do that. Mm. Yeah, um, I had two detentions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had two detentions for for some fuckery. <laughs> um. So that's, you know, I think we covered it pretty good. Oh, absolutely. And they knew I was your guys' friends, too. That's why they fucking did it to yeah. me. Maybe stay for the talent show and after school. Some bullshit. <laughs> I think it's a good uh, synopsis of their career, in a way. Kind of talked about it. Little stories here and there. And talk about some songs. Um, 
So uh, one of the things that I've always thought too, just kind of going to the next thing here, because we didn't one of the albums we didn't cover. It's, you know, I I I would consider it a studio album because they recorded it in the studio. Uh, Interesting. But uh, uh, to me, it, it's kind of funny with Metallica because we sit here and say that you know they're the greatest rock band, but what's the chances that you can be the greatest rock band, you know, with your own music and then possibly be the greatest cover band <laughs> as well? Yeah. Because, I mean, God, they have such a knack for making songs sound like they wrote them. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, you go from songs like Turn the Page uh, to songs like Sabracadabra uh, from Black Sabbath, obviously. Uh, whiskey in the jar, which is you know they kind of did a take on the Thin Lizzy one, a little bit, uh, but that that's kind of like an old Irish folk song. And then you got a Misfits died. I mean, all those songs sound like Metallica songs, no doubt. Uh, you know the, all the Motorhead covers they did, and, and uh, you know, um, one of my favorite ones they do. It's kind of unknown. It's called uh, the Small Hours. Man, that's a heavy freaking song and it just it sounds like something they wrote I, i've li- i tried to listen to a lot of these originals and they just it, they just sound like there were songs that metallica wrote um let's what's what, let's pick our a couple of our favorite cover songs that they do my two favorite covers are whiskey in the jar O, and uh stone cold crazy yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There you go, Stone Cold Crazy. I forgot about. Right. I was trying to think some of the bigger names that they've covered and all that kind of stuff, and I, I blank on that one from time to time. But yeah, yeah. that's that's fantastic. That was, was. I was thinking about that today. We, they played that when we saw them. Yes, they did. Okay, they did. Yeah, that's uh, that was the first song of the encore they did when the when we saw them. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, another big one they do is Tuesday's Gone. On Garage Inc. Right. Actually, but you know, with that one, they have a bunch of other people on that. Yeah, Jerry and Charles on it. Uh, John Popper from Blues Traveler. Yeah, I, I looked it up one day because at the end, when he says like, "Thanks to thanks, Gary." Yeah, seventy-eight different people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. who the hell's he talking to? I know the band members. <laughs> yeah, they all got together. It was like at a radio station, and they, yeah. they all did that song. Yeah, Jerry Cantrell, uh Gary Rossington from Leonard Skinner himself plays on it, and. Yeah. Sean Kenny, the drummer for House and Chain. So it was uh, kind of cool they all got together. Fatso? Didn't he say, thanks, Fatso? <laughs> I, I don't know if he's talking to Popper or what, because that dude was fat. I mean, he had a heart attack jerking off, so. <laughs> Willie? Um, I'm, I'll go with um, Turn the Page, and then so di- Die, 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 My Darling. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that cover. That's a fantastic one they did. Um, hmm. this was tough for me. I think one the one they did it was uh it was a medley that they did on Garage Inc, uh, which was from the band Merciful Fate. Which if you guys know who King Diamond is, it was his original band before he went solo. It was King Diamond, uh, but it's just called Merciful Fate. And it's just like five or six of their songs, just you know, put together as a medley. And man, it's it's fucking awesome. And then uh. You know, honestly, I think I'd probably have to go with Whiskey in the Jar. I mean, that, I, it's so good. I, I love that song. Yeah. It's such a feel-good song, too, for Metallica. And, and, but they make it sound pretty damn heavy, too. Yep. Um, so, that's for the covers here. And we're going to get into our segment that we uh, introduced a few weeks ago. We're going to do Through the Scope.
kind of almost sounds like a metallic. I was thinking that. Deathy. I was thinking that song. Uh, so through the scope here or through the scope this week, I was trying. I I couldn't think of anything to really do through the scope. I was going to talk about maybe one of their documentaries or uh, something like that, but then I just got to thinking like, you know what? We know all the big songs from Metallica. Everybody knows them. Let's talk about all the underrated ones, the ones that kind of either maybe don't get obviously are not on a radio. Uh, they're probably not. Yeah. Probably not played live, hardly if ever. Yeah. And then just songs that people probably just really don't think about sometimes. Uh, Ty, you want to go with your Absolutely. underrated Metallica songs? <laughs> Absolutely. I've got three of them. Uh, no surprise to you on this first one. Ain't my bitch. <laughs> Offload. Man, I don't I don't know. It's like Ain't my bitch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that's the coolest thing. Ain't it my is. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I it's it's and like at the end when it's so nice, it's like, ooh, it yeah. ain't mine. Yeah. I mean it's killer, man. I that's that's one of the go to's for me. Um not gonna go into my top five, probably not even my top ten, but right there. Right there, I love the shit out of that song. Uh, number two on my list is going to be Frantic. We've already talked about that one a little bit. It's uh, That's one of those, I mean, I, uh, I don't know, 90% of Metallica songs you can turn on and you know bang your head and uh, have a good time. But Frantic, there's something about Frantic that... Well, you know, it, it comes in fast, kind of just hits you right off the bat, yep. and then slows down a little heavier for the verse. I mean, right. it's it's just they got they got a really good way of working the dynamics of I the think, song. Yeah, and I think the lyrics with the music just work so well with very that one. syncopated. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, this one, this this third one, the Unforgiven Three, mm. off Death Magnetic. I, I'm a big fan of that one. It, it's it's you know how did I skip over that album? And then, well, uh, we still got them in Hardwire. We're just kind of going over the old school stuff, I guess. Yeah, but. I, I wasn't going to stop you. Yeah, just, uh, but yeah, the Unforgiven Three. It, I, I hear a lot of people like, oh, well, Unforgiven One is a classic, and Unforgiven Two is a classic, but Unforgiven Three was on Death Magnetic, and you know what's weird though is Death Magnetic almost kind of got lumped saying anger category. I know it did. It's, it's very not talked about anymore. I know it did, and there are three or four songs on there that are just well, when we saw them. Well, it was that tour, so I guess it was the Death story. Magnetic tour, but uh, yeah, they played at least four off of it, but. Yeah, the Unforgiven Three, man. I, I'm a big fan of Unforgiven One and Two, and um, even even hearing that song before knowing it was the third, nice, nice. Even hearing that song before knowing it was the third. What do you call it? Uh, the, the 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 third uh, trilogy. Yeah, the third song <laughs> in the trilogy, yeah. I suppose. Um, it was it was even good before that, but even though, I mean, I don't know, I just. I love it. I love it. It's a very good list, uh, William. Um, let's see. I just have two. Um, I'm gonna go with attitude. Hey. I I don't know. There's something about that song. I love the. Is I, it is the, it the attitude? It's the attitude of the song. Attitude. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> just the just the riff. It's just fun. It's just. 
driving. I, I don't know. I just, so, yeah, that's such a great. Oh, I like, love it. That sounds like it's something they would do live. You know what I mean? Like you're going into a song and you're just like, yeah. I, I just there's something about the song. It sums them up. Yeah, it really does. It just it, I don't know. It's one of the songs on that album that just just catches me all, every time. And then and, uh, and us. It's not, yes. It sums us up too. It sums us. Born into attitude. And then um, fuck you, Willie. <laughs> then the other one would be um, of Wolf and Man. On the Black Album, yeah, just another just driving fun song. I, I love that song. That's it's fun to play. We we played that for for a little while too. That's uh, that was you know what actually speaking of that real quick, like playing Metallica, that learning to play their songs and sing like that taught me how to sing and play guitar at once because that is not easy. I don't care mm-hmm. what anybody says. Some people make it look seamless, but it is to 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 like not to like keep what your hands do. And like what you're singing separate from each oh. other, I don't even want to try it. Yeah, that's why I'm not a musician. That's why musician. I, that's why I can't talk when I'm jerking it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so my I, I got three of them here. I'm kind of all over the place in a way. Uh, my first one would be "Eye of the Beholder" off the Justice album, which is I, I love how that slowly fades in, just like with the simple da 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 da. Like it's, it's, it just sounds really cool. That's a very fun song to play on guitar too. That's probably one of my favorite ones to play on guitar, so that's why I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, another one here. This is man. It's so hard for me to pick a favorite song off Reload, just because again that was my first album that I ever owned by them. So every song is like special to me. But I think. I guess if I had to go underrated, because otherwise I'd say like Unforgiven Two is my favorite song off that album. But Carpe Diem, baby, mm, mm-hmm. man, that's again another one of those like slowed down, like real heavy, kind of just well thought out, like how the riffs are and all that. Just man, it's just so good, so damn good. Uh, and I love the vocals in it too, the harmonies and all that kind of stuff. Man, James really shines on Load and Reload when it comes to his vocals. Yes, I agree with that. And my last one here, uh, you know, I have to go with the Black Album. Probably another one of my absolute favorite songs to play on guitar is The God That Failed. Uh, I mentioned it already with the whole gunshot sound, or the, sorry, the gun. Talking. Yeah, sounds. Uh, it's fun to play. And kind of a fun fact about that song is that song is actually about his mom when she passed away from cancer because she was so... Uh, you know, like like I said, you know that whole Christian science upbringing. She was so into that that kind of how a lot of them used to. Like if you're sick, you just you don't do medicine. Yeah, you just you go. don't let doctors treat you. You heal with the power of the Lord. And uh, she hence, didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> hence the song "The God That Failed." And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what Very that's cool. about. So that is our uh, through the scope. That was a pretty good list there i like the the attitude i mean that's all that Mm -hmm. stuff all that stuff is just fucking amazing um getting to our final segment here which has uh been our staple kind of from the get-to-go almost in a way we're going to do our official top five metallica songs so here we go top five
Such a great little jam there, isn't it? I I myself am a big fan. Yeah. A little ACDC-esque. And he Will played I, that I with a mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yep, we're getting into our top five all-time favorite Metallica songs. This is as hard as this was to do because it was uh, very so hard. hard. Some of them I, I have good reasonings for. So hard, yes. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, who would like to go first here? Willie, you want to go first? I'll go first. That's fine. Um, I think... You know, when we decided to have Metallica as our next podcast and then getting into it and trying to figure out my top five, they, they're they just so deep with music is unreal, like very, very difficult for me to pick five. Very, very. I seriously could probably ditch these five and pick five more and I wouldn't, you know, list yeah, A and list sure. B wouldn't even matter. So um, at the end of the day, these are my top five. Um I will say probably no specific order as well. Um, Fade to Black. Mm-hmm. The Unforgiven. Until It Sleeps. Mm-hmm. Man. Battery. Mm-hmm. And One. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. You like it a little slow. I know, like yeah. a little fast and heavy. You like a little in between. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of, yeah. I, I, I I don't know. It was it was very very difficult, but Sounds yeah. Like so I got like to jerk off. <laughs> fade to black, the unforgiven until it sleeps. Battery in one. That's two masturbation jokes in one podcast. <laughs> oh no, we've, I've made at least we've made at least three. <laughs> the whole Johnny, lost count. the whole Johnny got his gun thing. Uh, well, that's technically not masturbation. Well, getting getting jerked off. Yeah, getting <laughs> getting masturbated. <laughs> And he probably hated it, so come on. <laughs> Getting masturbated. That's a new Yeah, uh, making weight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel the same. It was very, very incredibly difficult to come up with only five. And, uh, like, just now, my number five, like, not changed, but I had five and six that were right there. So my number six is not going to be mentioned. But my number five, and I'm going to go in order from five to one. <clears throat> my number five is I Disappear, the Mission Impossible <clears throat> 2 okay. single. Um, I'm going to go from there to Attitude okay. from Reload. Nice. Uh, King Nothing, man, King Nothing. Yep. I'll tell you what, that when I was a kid, listening to that one, it's like, I don't know, I was 10, 12, 14, and, and I'd sit in my room and I'd blast that and I'd pretend I was the king. Right. You know, and just like, look out my window and be like, what's up? <laughs> Y'all king nothing, not me. I, I'm Guy walking down the street with his dog. Yeah, looks exactly. Up like, it's cool at the end of that song, too, when he's like, oh, never, never <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so that was number three. Number two is Unforgiven 2. Yeah. And number one, I know you already know this one, Welcome Home Sanitarium. Great song. They're that good. one, man. I... It, it's cool. I one of my, I like listening to an old live version of that song because uh, Jason sings some good harmony on it and it, it sounds really badass yeah. with him. That's a, Man, you guys are listening. I'm disappointed though because you've named some of mine, but it's okay. Well, let's... Hey, that's the risk I mean, you take. Let us go great, first. Yeah, going third. <laughs> great minds you have, think alike. You have ten songs to try to have your own five. Good luck. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely for sure going five to one here. Uh, number five would be Fuel. Uh, again, Reload was my first album. That's yeah. the first 
like real thing I ever actually like listened to from them, and that's you know you hear it right from the fucking start, man. Give me fuel, give me fuck, you know. And it's just it sounds amazing, and uh, also um, uh, because of the fact of uh, that we played that song at the uh, talent show. That oh, was yeah. the song we played with. So that's gonna that'll stick with me for sure. Um, <clears throat> number four, battery. Mm-hmm. I mean, God damn, I love that fucking so that mm-hmm. riff. I mean, when I. F- that was like the riff that I never learned how to, I could never get it down because there's, I've explained this to you, Ty, a couple of times when we've listened to it. There's, there's a lot of little things you don't hear yeah. listening to it, but yeah. when you're like, wish when, I knew, I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> right. it, it, it's that <laughs> good. And it's, that yeah. preci- it's that precise. You just don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's the song just cranks. I mean, it's that just riff. that slow it, intro too, man. And then just right. fucking boom. <laughs> but it just, it just like it, it just it hits me so good. Like and and you know the riff and him singing and all that stuff and just you know it, it's a very ass kicking song. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, Froom and the Bell Tolls. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I mean, I I I don't care if I hear that song a hundred fucking times, I get into it because that is like a quintessential heavy metal song. Like and and it's kind of. Uh, one cool thing that they've done too with songs is it's kind of uh, the way it's set up is not very typical. You know, they got a minute and a half intro, then they go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then the outro and the song is done. You know what I mean? Like there's no right. real solo in it other than Kirk kind of just doing the noises at the end. And so it's kind of an unconventional setup, but man, that just that, that riff, that dun 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 dun. I mean, that's it's so it's perfect. And one of the ones that like as soon as you hear it, your head's. Bobbing <laughs> every time, and a great live song too, which we're bound to hear. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I can't wait. Number two, I disappear. Uh, I've always, I've always loved that song. Those lyrics always kind of spoke to me, and you know the chorus. I, I love the chorus. It just, yeah. it, it's phenomenal. It's a great song. Yep. And then I've I mentioned, I haven't mentioned this song, but my number one favorite Metallica song, probably my favorite song of all time. Again, another song that just like speaks to me, and uh, it's the Outlaw Torn, and I, I man, that song is so good, and I that's one of the songs I have a hard time almost determining like which version do I like better, the studio version or the S and M version? version, right? S and M version is so killer. Yeah, and uh, funny thing with that too is you know it's the last song on load. They actually had to edit that out when it starts fading at the end because that CD is so long. That if they were to have gone anymore, the the engineering company or somebody told him that your your songs would probably skip, if because that 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 CD hits on like seventy eight minutes and fifty nine seconds, <laughs> so when Outlaw Torrent starts fading out, they had to they had to edit that song down by like a minute or so because wow. it was it was it was just them jamming until the song was going to end, but uh, that song I mean his the way he sings in it the the lyrics. The riffs, I mean, it, it, fantastic. The little and James does the little, the little slow swelling solos in there. He does the solo at the end of the song when they're just jamming, and Kirk's solo in that too. It's not like really anything crazy, but God damn, it fits so perfect. Mm-hmm. Just the way he's like, just just going insane on that way or the the wah pedal and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so this is some pretty good top fives. No uh, doubt. I'm gonna read off. Uh, just some people's songs here on on Facebook, and you know, uh, 
A lot of these lists were really good. I was really impressed with some of these. So Jessica Mulholland, uh, Mah- who, Mulholland. Who, who's Ag? That? Yeah, I know, right? Ag. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, hers. I mean, she did Orion, Fuel, Attitude, and Inner Sandman. I mean, that's she's a G man. Yeah, she's a G. Perfect. Uh, Justin Meek. Mm-hmm. He he uh, said Outlaw Torn, Battery One, Low Man's Lyric, Welcome Home, Sanitarium, Low Man's Lyric. Great song, by the way. I, I played that in my acoustic sets numerous times, and I love doing it. Uh, Jared Stamper, he said, uh, he said, Creeping Death, uh, One of Wolf and Man, Blackened, Fade to Black, Whiskey in the Jar. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and in parentheses, he put Roe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seth Bailey said, So what? And that was it. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Zach Zeller, he said nothing else matters. Covered by Smith and Myers, the guys from Shine Down. But okay, <laughs> whatever. Uh, James McNeil, our good buddy. Disposable Heroes, Master of Puppets, Four Horsemen, Call of Cthulhu, and Justice for All. He said those the first four albums will just never be topped by anybody ever. Uh, your uh, Cousin-in-law? I, I make up these terms, but Caleb. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hero of the day, from the bell tolls, seek and destroy, sad but true. I mean, realistically, we could just list every song and it would be... There's not a wrong answer. Right. Um, oh, here we go. We got more old pops here. Uh, the Todd Father. Oh, Dad, what's up? Uh no. Not nicknamed Dad. That's actually Dad. Yeah. That's, that's real Dad. Yeah, that's real Dad. Yeah, he he's definitely a black album guy, which is you know you know it's it's that's meant kind of expected. Yeah. Inner Sandman, Saboteur, Nothing Else Matters, Where I'm in Rome, Unforgiven. So the hits. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but he also said he loves S and M as well. So. Yeah. Uh, hey. What was he talking about? The album, the album, or <laughs> oh. or what else? Because if not, that's weird, Dad. Uh, Mike Grimer, uh, he said Leper Messiah. That's a fantastic Ooh, yeah, one of yeah, puppets. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, one of my cousins here, Bradley, he said All Nightmare Long, Cyanide, The Day That Never Comes, That Was Just Your Life. A lot of Death Magnetic there. Mm. One Master of Puppets, Orion, Nothing Else Matters, Sad but True. So he likes his nuts kicked, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> hey, I'll dig it. I'll yeah. dig it. But uh are there yeah. any other ones? No, that's it. I'm surprised that No Leaf Clover has not come up one time. I've got to be honest I with you. I don't think people sometimes think of that all, very often. Man, that was that, that's right there it's in my top ten for sure. They played that uh first time I saw them with, with uh, Godsmack. It was it was pretty cool. No doubt. It was, it was weird to hear without the symphony, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I always wondered like when they were making their next album after that, like are they going to put No Leaf Clover right, or Minus right. Human? But th- those songs were meant for that album. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of both of those songs, No Leaf Clover and Minus Human, great songs. Yeah. Especially Minus Human. That song does not get talked about ever. Yeah. And it's a great heavy ass song but uh hey can i get a shout out real quick i know you're not on that screen so i'll stall for you can i get a shout out <laughs> to caleb uh my so so he is he is my cousin-in-law's husband so my oh. wife's my wife's cousin-in-law <laughs> but i've known uh he goes by kb i've known kb for hella and uh um <laughs> my wife's twin brother is getting married here 
soon. I know, I know. He is, though. He's getting married, and so we went out this past weekend for his bachelor party, and KB was there, and we were riding. I was riding with KB, and he was like, he was like, man, when are you guys going to do another podcast? And we got to talking. It's a you know a five minute conversation, but shout out to KB for having to wait so damn long. <laughs> And he was so excited for the Metallica podcast, and his uh, his father and him were big into wrestling back in the day. His dad still follows it a little bit, so cool. he's excited for the next one, too. But thanks, KB. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we've done good with this one, not bored anybody with the history or anything. But, I, you know, I struggled. I don't, you know, I, I tried to think back to the ACDC one and how we did it. I probably should have listened back to it, but... Uh, I, I struggled with, with this one a little bit and figuring out what exactly to talk about because there's so much that you could do. I could sit here and review every album, you know what I mean? Of but course. That, that would take it. You go song by song. Right. That would that would take an episode per album. So Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was definitely good. Uh, everybody's songs that they picked and sent us were fantastic. Your guys' lists were amazing. Um, and again, I mean, I... I cannot wait for this concert. I mean, I'm really hoping this year just flies by, yeah. but uh, we're going to have a blast going to see them with uh, Lil Ween, so shout out <laughs> to him. Hey, that night is going to be raucous. Yeah. After the show. <laughs> Willie's scratching his head, doesn't know if he's up for it anymore. Wait, you getting old on me, dog? <laughs> what? It's in we're Cincinnati, on air, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna be. A it good is time. gonna be ridiculous. That, yeah. I, yeah. No matter how many times I could see them, it'll, it'll never cease to amaze me. I mean, yeah, that, that's one of the things I've thought about here recently since we purchased the tickets is the fact that, I've, that when I see that when we see them in Louisville, it's only gonna be the second damn time I've seen them. Right. You know, I know it's only third for you, first for first Willie, for me, right? Yeah. I got, yeah and that's um, and I it's gonna be wait. first. It's first gonna be ten. first for Mo too. Yeah, yeah. That's that's unbelievable that. You know that uh, they just—I don't know what—they haven't come around very often, right? They've well, come around the Cincinnati three times. I mean, since '04, they make their way gone. around everybody. I mean, that's what I sure. said. They're, they're a people. Well, they spend a lot of time overseas. They're yeah. a people's band. Like they yeah. want to hit everybody before they start making second rounds again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, but again, I want a big shout out to everybody that follows us, listens to us. Uh, Anything at all that participates in all this, we appreciate very much. Appreciate the patience. Uh, you know, life sometimes gets in the way, and then you know, wanted to make sure we get a little better product this time around. And I think we're going to do that for sure. Um, so again, check us out on Facebook, uh, Gone Shooting Podcast. Check us out on SoundCloud at Gone Shooting Podcast. And uh, again. If anybody has any suggestions, any comments, any uh, critiquing, whatever it may be, please don't hesitate to tell us. We're open to it all. And again, if you have any like anything you want to hear, anything you want to talk about, just let us know. Uh, we're going to start kind of doing a little different format here just to make it easier on, on us and then also get a better show for you guys as well. Um, so again, thanks everybody for checking us out and... Uh, Again, stay tuned. We have a second episode we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to talk some Attitude Era with WrestleMania weekend coming. Cannot wait. But again, for you Metallica fanatics, thank you. And uh, stay tuned for our next episode. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Gone Shooting Podcast.